I never had an imaginary friend or anything like that, but I think I've been aware. I just hadn't seen anything, so I didn't, you know, I didn't put a name or a word to it. I don't think I had considered it a possibility. Seeing something happened before I knew that there was anything to see. Like, I, there were certain places growing up that, like, I couldn't sleep. Um, so, yeah, you want to hear about the first time? Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, I'm going to hope we have 13 whole listeners now. <gasps> That's what I'm hoping. Today's episode is going to be our first of many uh, interviews with other people, hearing about their experiences and their stories. And uh, what better way to kick it up with our, than, than with our girlfriend, Anessa? Because Good God almighty, if you're able to sleep without a nightlight on after hearing this tonight, my power to you. Seriously, it's terrifying. Um, And she doesn't even try to be. No. She just matter-of-factly, like, explains what has happened to her since she was a small child. Yes. Uh, And it's just, like, I I, I don't know what I would have done. I'm honestly shocked that she's not drugged to the gills these days because I, yeah. I would have to be permanently sedated after having just a fraction of what's happened to her yeah it's, it's amazing and it's not i don't want to scare everybody and have them shut it off right now it's not why wouldn't you no no but oh. i don't want them to like freak out and think that like there's no like trigger warning on this this is not no. like anyone's getting hurt no one is getting like no no spirits are doing anything bad it's not like a scary scary malevolent thing it's just bananas yeah this is the stuff that you hear about. This is the stuff they make movies about. I was people just go, say. that could never happen. Right. But, like, it's for real. Yeah. Um, we, I'd heard these stories that you probably did, too, before we even thought about doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, and she told me stuff that had happened to her, and I was just like, holy shit. Like, I thought I had scary stories to tell. I thought it was weird that a ghost hugged me. Mm-hmm. Or... Holy shit, Anissa. A lot of this episode will be just her storytelling. You know, I'll, I'll probably pop back in once in a while um, just to uh, set up whatever is the new story that's coming in or, like, explain something. We had a little trouble with my mic and with Emily's mic. We're still figuring so it out. It happens. We it happens. But, like... Anessa's mic was fine, and there yeah. was no reason to have us all re-record anything when she told us beautifully what happened to her. So, just to set it up, we went over to her house on a lovely cold night. We sat outside. Her lovely husband started a fire, which 
we were going to sit around the fire and tell stories, but it got a little out of control. So um, we had to move. Big fire. Big fire. Um, but we sat outside and we talked with her and you would hear us talking to her if I knew how to set up podcast equipment properly. But luckily her mic was working. So you don't really need us. No, that's why, you know, if there's anything pertinent that we ask, I'll just pop back in. I'll throw in whatever you guys need to know to understand the story best. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it's really just going to be Anessa telling her story about what has happened to her 100% firsthand, no bullshit, which is all that we do. And that's all we ask from any stories that you guys have to give us. Right. So, uh, happy Halloween. My parents bought the house that I grew up in when I was eight years old, and my sister was five. So, yeah, I was like in fourth grade. And the house was built by a man named Maurice. And I know his name so well because there was a weird memorial plaque with his name on it across the street at the park across from my parents' house. And I thought it was his grave until forever later. I was like, why is he buried at the park? And they were like, Anessa. He's not. But Maurice built the house for himself and his wife with two master bedrooms in it. One downstairs and one upstairs because they wanted to sleep upstairs but they knew eventually they wouldn't be able to go up the stairs and so they built one downstairs too. And they planned to grow old there and they did. Um, and he did die there but I, I never, we never spoke. <laughs> um, But so when we moved in there, being the oldest of the two of us, I got the master bedroom upstairs. So this room was fucking massive. And I don't know what was there before that. Like, I don't know any history about, we didn't have the internet. I'm quite old. Um, I can say that now, I'm a retired actor. Um, So I'm gonna try and paint a picture for the audience and I'll use my hands for you guys, but hopefully this will make sense. So. The room, okay, so you walk into the room, and it's a big room, but then to your right, there's a large doorway that goes into an area where there are two closets. On the left, there's a built-in vanity, and on the right, there is a built-in chest of drawers, okay? So that's a room within my room. Kind of, yeah, except the doorway was really big. It didn't have a curtain or any divider. It was just a separate doorway. Um, it sounds like most of the studio apartments in Los Angeles. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then, in the actual bedroom part, at the time, I had two twin beds in there, because I really liked slumber parties, and I slept in the bed furthest from the door, closest to the window in the wall. So I will never forget this. This is very specific, but it's important. So I fell asleep on my side facing the wall, And between my bed and the wall, there was probably only about two and a half, three feet of space. And there was a bedside table that had a lamp with a pull string, a digital clock with one of those alarms that you hate to hear on TV, and a tube of chapstick. Okay? Like yesterday. I can see this shit. So I'm laying facing that way and semi close to the edge of the bed but again it's a twin bed so you're kind of always close to the edge Um, and middle of the night and I open my eyes and there was something in that space 
that little space between my bed and the wall, there was something bending over with its face in front of my face. No. Right? No. And I completely froze. Um, so this shit's right in my fucking face. And I froze, like you do. And I had n- not been to church in a while. My family is Methodist. My little sister today is a Methodist youth minister. Like, they like and they're fans of the Jesus. And I realized the boys weren't cute and I wasn't buying it not long before this happened. So what? I'm like in sixth, seventh grade. But I don't know what to do. And I'm frozen. And there's this thing looking me in the face. And it didn't have, like, discernible features. It just had eyes that were and they weren't like black as night or anything like that they were just they were actually a little bit lighter and the form itself was kind of whitish but it was definitely the form of a person yes not a full-on face even though it was right there blurry see-through like blurry i mean yes yes like but were they like defined eyes? Like, no, like- you couldn't. They, no, it was just dot, like light. Like if it's raining, and you shine a flashlight through the window at the rain, and your window is kind of foggy, and someone's on the other side shining a flashlight back. Okay. Huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like foggy. Um, But so I'm frozen. This thing's in my face, and I glance over with my eyes. I can't move my body, and the clock says 333. We all know what that means. But the clock is blurry too. So now I'm thinking maybe it's just my eyes. Like maybe I'm not seeing this. And so I'm blinking like crazy. And now this thing is slowly starting to stand up. Yeah, like real slowly. And in retrospect, I'll tell you about that. We'll come back to this. But starting to stand up really, really, really slowly. So I start screaming the Lord's Prayer (laughs) because I don't know what else to do. And it's still, it's not going away. And now I can see that it's a tall person. And like a freaking cobra, I managed to shoot my arm over and turn on the lamp. And it's gone. And my heart, right now my heart is beating really hard. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't know if I had seen it. I didn't know if it was real. But no way, fuck was I going back to sleep. Um, now it was Saturday night when this happened, Sunday morning, and every Saturday my parents were like now if you want to go to church with us in the morning I'm from Houston we will be downstairs at seven like always and I'm like great have fun um I was showered and dressed and downstairs waiting probably by four um and yeah I went to church and tried to ask and they just all looked at me like I was bad shit um so anyways that was the first thing and I I didn't really want to tell my parents because they were already sick of me talking about not being able to sleep in places. I wasn't sure if I saw anything to begin with and whatever. But the more I thought about it, and this is the thing about the it standing up, I think it didn't mean to scare me. I think I, it didn't expect me to see it. And when it realized I had, when I started screaming the Lord's Prayer and it started to stand up, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because in retrospect, I didn't have a bad feeling. I was just fucking terrified because there was a thing in my face looking at me that wasn't a person. So that was the first one. 
Um, also, I'm adopted. So I don't know if it could have, I mean, it could have been anybody. But I don't think it was bad. Nigel's my only relative, my son, blood relative, that I know of. I could be related to both of you. If you'd like to share your story, either in person or through email, please let us know. We would love to chat with you or read your stories for you. You can choose to stay anonymous or come out of the haunted cupboard, whichever you prefer. We simply ask that they are 100% your stories. We don't want any stories from your friend's cousin, your dog walker's roommate, or someone in your yoga class. I know that a lot of friends and relatives have really interesting stories, but this is about first-hand accounts. So if you think that your mother-in-law has the greatest ghost story on the planet, by all means encourage her to contact us, but please don't tell her story for her. Also, if we say something's wrong and we misinform you on our podcast, please let us know. We really hate being wrong and would rather just know the truth, but maybe don't be a dick about it, okay? One of the easiest ways to learn more about us is to go to our website, which is theresidualspodcast.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-S-I-D-U-A-L-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. On our website, you can find a link to contact us, or you can do it directly via email by writing theresidualspodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is at the underscore residuals underscore podcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at the residuals pod. We'll upload any pertinent information or events that we might be having in the future. Um, and sometimes we'll ask you for specific themes for our stories. In order to help you get through that long, long week, we are releasing our podcast on Wednesdays. We'll start with two episodes a month, and while we'd like to do it more frequently, we both have jobs and kids and partners and pets who need tending to. So, we're going as fast as we can, alright? We'd quickly like to thank our partners for encouraging us to do something for our fucking selves for a fucking change. Childcare for making this possible. Purple-planet for providing our music, and Squarespace for hosting. And uh, thank you to all the dead people out there, because without you, this wouldn't be possible. We love you all. Do you want to hear the next time? Um, yes, please. Okay. Oh, that's the only time that happened to me. I used to have really bad um, sleep paralysis. Okay, that's what I was about to get into. That's that's what I was about to get to, actually. Yeah. Did you watch that documentary, The Nightmare? No. That's what it's about. When, when Sleep paralysis. I saw it on Netflix, but it was a while back. I'm not sure where it is now. Yeah, so that thing happened when I was 11. And then I don't know when the next thing started, but I think it was pretty shortly thereafter. Um, so in that big doorway I told you about that divides my room and the whatever quote-unquote dressing area where the closets are I used to have one of those remember those 80s and 90s embroidery floss mobiles it was like a plastic ring with all the different colors of embroidery floss dangling from it do you know what I'm talking about no but I was living in England at the time fair enough they had way better things um 
crumpets. Nailed it. Scones. Um, <laughs> what? 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 You like my accent? I don't know. It's my real voice. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh, so I used to stand underneath it because embroidery floss is very soft. I used to stand underneath it and let it fall on my face, <laughs> and I just sort of like turn my face around in it. Like if I was just like really enjoying the sunshine, except instead it's an embroidery floss mobile. Um, and this is pertinent to the story, I promise. So one night laying in bed as per usual, except now ever since that first thing happened, I did not sleep on my side facing either direction ever. Really? I was on my back with my covers pulled up to my chin, just like every cliche. Again, I open my eyes and this time there's a man, a very distinct man, standing under the mobile, and he is, guess, guess what he's wearing? Overall. Embroidery dress. <laughs> <laughs> I should always ask. That's so fun. I would have just been like, well, this is hilarious. Um, I know. Um, well, this is why I brought up that documentary called The Nightmare. I just sent it to both of you. Um, apparently the man in the hat is a worldwide phenomenon that is related to sleep paralysis. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't, clearly I didn't know this at the time, but I shit you not, when this thing came out just a few years ago and I saw the man in the hat and they were talking about how people all over the world forever have been seeing this guy that I'm telling you about right now. It was like, oh, you're not a complete batshit insane person. This is a thing. Nobody knows who or what it is. But if you Google it right now, Google Images, yeah. it's just kind of like a silhouette. But it's Does a it look like the Babadook. The Babadook kind of, a kind of, yeah. And that is definitely, I think they're related for sure. But he's not wearing a cape. Like he's just wearing a suit but it's you don't see face you just see the hat and it's all black but he's letting the freaking mobile fall on his face like I did and then he stops and he looks at me um, okay I'm popping in like I said I might um, I wanted to take a minute to explain just how creepy this man and the hat seems and it's too hard to really hear in the original recording what Anessa was saying and what I was asking. Um, she was explaining what she saw when she woke up. She was imitating the man in the hat under her embroidery floss mobile as he was slowly rolling his head and just letting the thread hit his face around, like just drawing a circle around his face like she used to do when she was little. And then on one of the rotations around, he just sort of lulled it into a stop facing her, staring at her with no eyes. He's doing this thing where it looks like he's not cognizant of Anessa necessarily. Like he's just sort of 
doing the same thing, but he doesn't engage with her. And then all of a sudden makes it very clear that he knows that she's there and that he's doing it for her. Um, it was just very, very creepy. And like watching her sort of roll her head around slowly on her neck and then stop. It was gross. It was gross. And I feel gross thinking about it now. Um, but I hope that I've described it in such a way that you also feel gross because that's what I'm trying to do here. Um, all right. So I'm going to put you back to the original story with Anessa again, and uh, I'll see you at the end of the podcast. I ran downstairs. I told my parents there was a man in my room. I was fucking av- I was like, call the police right now. I, I was like, oh, my God, I left my sister upstairs. Like, I'm a terrible sister. My parents were like, Anessa, the house was so wired. There was no way anyone was in the house without a massive alarm going off. There's just no way. There were motion sensors downstairs, every window, and outside of my bedroom, there was a two-story drop to the driveway. So they, my, I convinced my dad to go look, but I don't even think he was fully conscious. He didn't, like, they knew there was no one in the house because we would have been very aware. So were you, like, move over and sleeping in your bed? Um, yes, that night, yes. Um, and then after that, I convinced my, because I saw him multiple times. Um, always doing the same thing? No, not with the, the face thing, but always kind of standing in that same place. Um, so I made my parents buy a second litter box for our cat to have in my room and a separate food and water bowl because the cat's sleeping with me now because he was fucking giant. <laughs> and he would literally sit. He would sit up all night next to me. He would dodge you. Yeah. That's what they did. Yeah, so I'm, again, still sleeping on my back with the covers up to my chin, but my I called him my lion, though his name was Puzzles because I named him when I was young and he looked confused. Um, so, yeah, he would just sit next to me. And uh, I saw that guy a lot of times. He never got any closer. He just was very present. And it was that was a dark feeling. That wasn't, like, the first time. No, they don't. I gotta say. They don't. They're just there. I don't even think they're the ones that attack. I think that you see them when you have sleep paralysis and then something else is on you that you don't see. I, I feel like the fact that he made such direct eye contact with you is something that you don't normally hear about with it. Normally you sense that they're in the room and you see the outline, but you do not make eye contact. Well, I didn't see his eyes. I just knew. I mean, he, they don't have faces. They're just okay. like a silhouette. But he was like this and then it was just, you just knew. So, okay, let's move on to happier, cheerier times. Well, let me wrap up the dark by saying this. After the man in the hat, my only experience with ghosts or spirits, whatever, that made me feel bad, I couldn't see. This is what we were talking about earlier. I'm sure I did, 100%. And I tried sage and all the things, but like... Um, I, I've out loud said go away numerous times. I've right. said I don't, I don't want you here, whatever. Um, but all, again, all of this comes with age. We're still, I'm still 12 at this point, and I don't have that kind of logic, you know? So I didn't think talking to it, because I just thought it was going fucking crazy. Let's be real. The next thing, I don't remember what happened in order after this, but what started happening was... I would wake up and there would be a person standing in my room as real as you are right now and they would just be looking at me 
and they didn't look like zombies they didn't have like bullet holes in them or anything they were just like we are and as soon as I opened my eyes and looked at them they would sort of light up like you can see me I don't know and so I, I would it would scare me but we would make eye contact this is different than the first two like this was a person standing there and it scared me because they're not supposed to be there but as soon as I address them even if it was just with my eyes or my reaction they would go away do you remember what they looked like I mean I only ever saw those once so I can give you vague descriptions but there are so many wow. so many and this is again before the internet. I thought I was going crazy. I tried to commit suicide. I mean, like straight out of a PG movie with a daisy razor, but like I didn't even break the skin, but like I thought I was losing it. And I started writing on my walls behind the furniture. Like I my parents like I wouldn't go to school. I wouldn't come out of my room for a while. Like I thought I was losing my mind. See, that's enough to make someone do that. And like it got they took me to a therapist who was scarier than anything I had seen she looked like she looked like stereotypical witch when you're that age like big giant curly hair weird crooked nose no warts but like she looked like she had she wakes up in the morning and puts on foundation to cover the green skin and goes into work as a child therapist sure she did not help me um but some something about that process of going to the doctor all she did was like well why do you think this is why the fuck am I here you're supposed to I don't know I'm crazy am I crazy what do you think you're crazy fuck you what do we owe you um something about that process sort of made me I don't want to say aware I sort of got used to it. I started to get used to it. Like, and again, you know, because I would always wake up, it was never like broad daylight or, you know, I was wide awake when these things were happening. I just thought, well, I must be dreaming, you know? And so then I just tried to justify it. So my next step while this is starting to happen to me is like, for example, at one point, and this is when later in high school, I woke up and there was a rose floating above my face. And I was like, <sighs> what time is it? Jesus Christ, really? Turn on the light, get out of bed. And I had roses hanging on my wall, like by the dozen. I counted every single one of them. They were all present and accounted for. I could go back to sleep. You're just crazy. Was it, was it a translucent? Or was it no, it was just like, it was a rose. Turn on the light, it's gone. But now I have to go, you're crazy. Am I crazy? Count them all. They're all there. You're crazy. Go back to sleep. Or like, there's a person, or okay, so this started happening. And this is weird because my grandmother is, or was at the time, alive. She, I woke up one night because someone sat hard on my bed. And I opened my eyes and she was sitting there looking at me. And she just smiled at me and then she disappeared. And same thing, I'm like, God, what time is it? Jesus Christ. And it was not always 3.33. It was just like, really? It's the middle of the night. It was just annoying at this point. Then I was like, but wait, it's Nana. Like, what? Oh, no. Oh, no. So I go downstairs. Have to justify it. Go downstairs. Check her room. She's not there. Go back upstairs. 
that's not good enough. Go downstairs, knock on my parents' door, which I had done a thousand times justifying these things. And they're like, what? <laughs> Is Nana in town? No, go to bed. Back upstairs, sitting there, and I'm like, it's the middle of the night, and I don't fucking care. I call my grandmother. She lives like two hours away. She has a rotary phone and no answering machine. <laughs> it rings and rings and rings and rings, and then she answers. And I'm like, Nana? She goes, Anessa? And I said, yeah. She said, that's so strange. I was just dreaming about you. Shut up. I mean, I give myself chills telling that story. I'm going to drink some wine. I'm drinking wine. She was fine. I don't blame you. I would too. She's fine. She was totally fine. So, like, that kind of shit started happening. So then I was like, okay. Well, in this case, I'm not crazy because she said she was drinking. Well, it could have just been a coincidence. It was probably just a coincidence. You're crazy. Like, so let's fast forward. I'm sure there's a million that I'm skipping that are prominent, but let's fast forward to Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta in 2000. There was internet. I was <clears throat> much younger than I am now. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to date you. I'm I know. Um, I was in my, I'm actually trying to do that math. Hang on. I was in my early 20s. I had left college um, short of two degrees and moved to Atlanta with a boy with purple hair. This is long after the purple haired boy, so I'd say it was probably 2003 or 2004. Um, so still early mid 20s. Um, I woke up in my house um, and I lived in a house in a part of Atlanta called Cabbage Town, and that had a lot of history. Cabbage, are you familiar? Yeah, that's where my bartending job was. I wonder if I served you booze. Maybe. Might have. Um, so in Cabbage Town, there is a cotton mill that's now lofts, but I don't know the times and I'm going to get them all wrong, so I'm not going to fake it. Back in the day, Cabbage Town was a part of Atlanta that housed all of the cotton mill workers and their families. And there are multiple stories of why it was called Cabbage Town. Some say it because it smelled like cabbage, because they were all poor, and so there was a lot of cabbage cooking. Some say it's because it was a lot of immigrant Irish immigrants. Is that cabbage Irish? Yeah, that is. And then some say it was just because everybody there grew their own food. And they grew a lot of cabbage. I don't fucking know. But it was a poor neighborhood for a very long time. So this house that I was living in, we were renting. It was a two-bedroom house with a giant fenced front and backyard for $850. Oh, there's a reason why. Red flag. No, everything was just cheaper then. Oh. Um, <laughs> That same house now is probably two grand, three grand a month. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so it was a double shotgun house that they had turned into one house. So there were two front doors, and one of them was into my bedroom. No. It had never so been used. I don't remember the last time it was used, but it had a giant, like, old-ass padlock on the door. So it was out of use and I put this rad screen in front of it so it didn't it didn't get used all that is to say it was a very fucking old house um so wake up there and it's daylight I remember when this happens which caught me off guard and there's a woman standing in there she's a little bit older 
and she has like a garden like you remember the hats blossom used to wear yeah. with a big flower it was like that except it looked like it was for gardening like it's i think an old lady gardening hat yeah like like the yeah. straw um and she looked a little dirty but again they don't ever look dead and same thing she's looking at me i open my eyes and she's like oh and i'm like again this is happening for years at this point i'm like i see you i don't know what you want and that's it they're gone they don't ever talk they don't ever like slowly point under the bed or like fucking anything they just want me to no none of that no m night Shyamalan. that's that's what it feels like i start to fall back asleep and it occurs to me for the very first time the fucking internet Holy shit, how have I never looked this shit up? It's been happening to me for like 15 years. I got so used to it, it didn't occur to me. You're fucking crazy. So I looked it up. And there were two women murdered. Not in my backyard, but very nearby while they were out in the yard. Shut up. Maybe they were gardening. But it was like when I saw the documentary and saw the man in the hat, and it was just like the air knocked out of me. I was like, holy shit, I'm not crazy? Like, so that was the first time that I ever looked it up. And then I kind of was like, I don't want to look it up. I don't know why. I sort of felt like it was an invasion of privacy for them because I saw them alive. You know what made me stop being curious enough to look it up was when I saw a little girl. Oh, boy. Um, still in Atlanta, different apartment. Um, I was living in the basement apartment in a house in a neighborhood called Inman Park, which is the oldest neighborhood in Atlanta and the richest, or used to be. So the houses there are fucking magnificent and old. And every year there's the what they call the tour of homes where these people open up their homes and you can go see the history of these beautiful houses. And I essentially lived in the slaves' quarters. Um, and this very sweet, very old couple lived upstairs. And they were regulars at the place that I used to bartend. They didn't sit at the bar, but I would always send them a glass of Chardonnay. And then one day they asked me if I knew of anybody that was looking for an apartment. And I took my boxer and went and lived underneath them. And one of the first nights I was there, I woke up. And I'm like, she makes me lose my breath. There was this little girl... I would say maybe my age when I first started seeing dead people, like six, seven years old, maybe eight or nine, and she just looked young. But get this, she was at the foot of my bed on the floor on her knees with her little head perched on her hands, like her elbows up on my bed and her chin on her hands looking at me. And when I opened my eyes, she popped her head up, just like a little girl would, like waiting patiently and quietly. And then she disappeared, and that one stuck with me because that was the first time I saw a kid. And uh, very sh- shortly after that, I told my boyfriend at the time. He wasn't there, but I told him about it. And then my parents came to visit from Houston, and my landlords had them up, all of us up, for wine and shoes. <laughs> and um, this was, other than like picking up their mail and taking it inside when they were out of town, this was like the most time I had spent in their house. 
And every year during the tour of homes, there are, there's a new artist that goes from house to house that offers to do a rendering of the front of your house. And so down this beautiful hallway in their old house, there were like, I don't know how many years, but there were just all these artist renderings of the front of their house from the tour of homes. And so my parents were talking to them, they're having their wine and cheese and laughing and I'm walking down the hallway looking at these pictures and then I'm, <gasps> there's one. And this artist was kind of a scribble artist, you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah. Like just, it's clear, but it's scribbly. Yeah. So it was kind of abstract and sure fucking enough in front of the tree, there's a little fucking girl. And I interrupted their conversation and I brought him in and I said, who is this? And they were like, who? And I said, this little girl. And they were like, I've never seen her before. I was like, I have. <laughs> they didn't see her until I pointed it out. All right, well, that was a lot. And we have so much more, but you'll have to wait for the next installment. Uh, you'll have to wait for part two of Vanessa's incredible stories because we just have so much more that we've got to split up this interview. Um, there's a lot more to talk about and to listen to other than just the story she's in the middle of. So, in the meantime, please, if you find the time, which I know is super precious, could you go rate and review this little pod baby of ours? We would really appreciate it. We would like to thank everyone for listening, and uh, we've gotten such wonderful feedback from so many listeners. It's really motivating. Um, we wish we could do this all the time, but we don't have the time. <laughs> um, more importantly, tell your friends. Listen with them. Make support groups for my fellow scaredy cats. Uh, I'm going to sign off for Emily and myself today, but get out there and have a fun, safe Halloween. And remember, don't be scared of the dark, but I will be. Bye-bye. Scones. <laughs>